Uh, this is the Gospel of John, uh, verses 25 to 35. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must, we do, uh, what must we do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. All right, grab a seat, friends. I love food. And the church is with you this morning real easy. And I don't like being hungry. Come on, church. Come on, I need a bit of can Preach it, brother. Take a Steve. Does anyone else really struggle with being hangry? You know? I, I, yeah, okay. People, I'm not going to name names. People are literally pointing at their spouse right now, uh, which um, we've got a marriage course coming up in August, actually, which we'll uh, work through some of that. And the, like, I love food. I love food. I've, I've got a, a physical body that reflects my love for food. Um, it's not theoretical. It's, uh, I've been a disciple of the way of food, and you can see it in the way my body looks. Uh, I love it so much. The interesting thing is that I'm actually predominantly an internal processor when it comes to life. So again, me and Jen have had to work through that sort of stuff because uh, I, I internally process, and then once things have really kind of a chewed through everything, then we'll have a chat. Whereas Jen's an external processor. So, you know, he thinks it and says it, and there's a little bit going on there. Uh, and uh, the exception to my internal processing rule, though, is food. I just, there's something that switches in me when I, and I just externally process food, all the, like, hard out. Now, me and Jen are both terrible cooks, and we're both kind of cool with that. We, very, very simply, um, and that's cool, like, we're all cool with that. Uh, so it means that when we have a meal that's not just, you know, a toasted sandwich or whatever, it's like, it's like a big deal, you know, going to hang out with you guys or, uh, you know, going to a restaurant or, any, you know. And so then I just, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, this is, isn't this, this is the best steak of ever. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, the chip, oh, the little, the garlic mushroom. Oh, it's amazing. You know, an externally process, it just kicks in hard out, which is really nice if, if uh, you've cooked the meal, you know. Some of you are worried if I've come around and I've just been quiet. Can I just say, actually, publicly now as well, while we're on the subject, I don't like quiche. I just don't like it, okay? And there has been an occasion or two where I've gone around for dinner or lunch or whatever, and I've, had, and I've, I've eaten the quiche, but they've been pretty quiet, okay? So, I've just, so it's just a, to, to note that, just if you can just jot that down on your notes on the sermon, just anything, anything egg-based is just off, okay? Bacon and eggs. Just scrambled eggs, anything egg central. So I don't mind eggs in a cake. See, I'm all over the cake. Let's have a cake because disguised in the cake. But I mean, it's just on its own. In the, so thank you, Matt. I appreciate you bringing that up. 
Now, I realise that, that getting frothed on food is super cruel for any folks that are fasting today. You're, getting, you're hangry right now, you know, and this is not helping. And so I'm sorry about that. Um, I'm fasting today, just for the record as well. Um, so I'm hangry, and so you're going to get told off all throughout. No, and the joke, so we've got a gentle sermon, hopefully. Um, but this is the, the Jesus statement that he is the bread of life is today's focus of the talk. And the big idea, it's simple as, is simply this, that the satisfaction that we find in Jesus is deeper and more real than any temporary satisfaction we can try and find in life. He is the one that can satisfy the deepest longings and hungers of our hearts. That's the big idea of the sermon and that's it. Now, just to kind of zoom out a little bit, like I've loved this series as we've been talking about Jesus. <laughs> you know, we, we focus a lot on discipleship in this church. We focused a lot on building a prayer life about what does it look like to follow Jesus. But this, this whole series has got almost nothing practical about it in terms of therefore go do this. Um, but it actually is super important that we do these sorts of series because ultimately we just want to get to know Jesus better. We just want to fall more in love with him and draw near to him. And it's actually the most important thing any of us can do is just to get to know Jesus. Because when we're convinced of his goodness, when we're convinced of his nature, we can navigate anything life throws at us. And, and especially, we're going to take communion as we finish this morning. The thing that just keeps is such a tricky thing to deeply believe in your heart is that he's the God of infinite mercy and grace. That actually, you know, I've said this so many times, but we, our sin propels us towards God, not away from him. When we understand the nature of God, we run to the one who can make us clean. He's so good. So I just, I've loved this series because we're just talking about Jesus. And isn't he wonderful? Isn't he just amazing? And just, you know, talking through, you know, what did we talk about last week? Vine, thank you. I literally was blanking. Um, that wasn't a trick. You know, and there were... <laughs> And uh, I was like, man, if the pastor can't remember it and he preached it, <laughs> no one's going to remember anything. And the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and as I say this morning, we're looking at the bread of life. So at the start of this chapter, we've got Jesus. Uh, as I said, in John's Gospel, all the I am statements have an, a sign that's connected to these I am statements, a miracle, a sign that's, that, that, uh, that speaks to God's nature. And at the start of the chapter, if you want to open your Bibles to John chapter 6, you've got this amazing moment where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now, we know the story if you've grown up in church. It's a pretty common story. Uh, Jesus is there. A whole lot of crowds turn up. And, uh, and I just love that, like, 5,000, as again, most of you guys know this, they didn't count, the only thing they counted was the, the men that led households. Single men weren't counted, you know, everyone else wasn't counted. Not great, like, I'm not saying that's, we, we, it's like we're going to come a long way since then, but that's how they did it back then. And so you've got 5,000 folks, so I don't know how many people, what is that, 15, 20, a lot of people there. Now, they've turned up to engage with Jesus, because Jesus is a great speaker, like, he's good. He's real good. I've been, this week I actually got some coaching um, on my preaching uh, from a legit like ninja who, um, who uh, critiqued me. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to steward my gift and serve you guys. Um, and I'm okay. Like, you know. You're awesome. I, thank you. <laughs> Fishing for. <laughs> I'm all right. No, but I tell you what, I'm okay. Compared to Jesus, mate. Like, no one's going, oh, Harvey's in a field in the middle of nowhere. Let's just make sure we're there because his preaching's that good. <laughs> like, you guys can't walk into a warm room with coffee, free coffee. It's like, even then you're 50-50 about whether you're going to come to church or not, you know. <laughs> like, Jesus, he's there in the fields 
in the middle of nowhere. There's no Starbucks, there's no Maccas, there's no Burger King, there's no drive through there's no Woolworths, there's well, Woolworths, I'm dating myself. <laughs> Countdown. There's no supermarket, none. And they're turning up there and preach. And they're there all day. And they're peasants and they're poor. It's like, that's a good speaker. That's a good dude, man. Like, that, that, this guy can preach clearly. And so you got the classic story when, like, Jesus is like, the disciples are like, man, we've got to feed these guys. And Jesus is like, oh, you feed them. And, like, there's just so much going on here that's awesome, you know. And then, again, active imagination, but I'm like, Peter, probably, went to some poor little kid. <laughs> like, give me lunch. <laughs> I don't want it. I want it. And it's like, here we got, we got some loaves and fishes, and there's kids crying in the corner. <laughs> and, uh, and then Jesus does the miracle, multiplies it, and he feeds them. And, uh, and everyone just is stoked as. Now, we, we can't understand this because, I mean, we can eat all the time. Like, the only time we don't eat is when we do fasting. And, you know, the fasting discipline in the church has just gone, to just disappeared. Because we just, we just been so formed by the word. So this, it's so unusual that Christians don't regularly fast. Just in terms of church history. Super weird. So we're trying to restore some of that, Right. So we're trying to go, like, hey, let's just get back to normal Christianity. Involved. So a lot of our guys now, oh, that's a preacher exaggeration, forgive me. <laughs> Enough guys to make me happy. Uh, fasting once a week is a kind of rhythm, just as what they do in this church. I love it. This is normal. Wesley wouldn't ordain anyone that didn't fast Wednesdays and Fridays as default. There's no way you're going to get ordained to come to ministry. Like, so, you know, it's awesome. so the only time we feel hungry is when we choose to feel hungry. Or if we've misjudged the, the drive, you know, and it's like that Nate Katopo Street's got nothing, you know, and you're like, oh no, I'm feeling a little bit hangry or whatever. It's like that's the only time we feel hungry. For peasants, hunger is a normal feeling, not because of choice, but because of just poverty. So you can imagine that these guys, these peasants under the repression of Herod and the weight of the, of the Roman Empire are going, this is epic. Not only can the guy preach, he's good. I'd walked all the way here in the middle of nowhere to hear him. He's that good. But he can feed us. This is off the chain. I mean, it's great news. And so, you know, I'd be all thinking like a leader that could provide like this is very, very handy. You know, man, like not only you, great teacher, he can meet the physical needs. And they're so over the repression and the hardship. And they're like, man, if you can do this during your teaching session, imagine what you can do in government. Like, can you scale this up? Because we're all pretty hungry and over the poverty. And so in verse 14, it says, After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who's come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. That's what's going on there. They're like, we've got to make, we've got to, by force. I don't care if he wants it or not. You're, you're, you're going to be, we're going to throw, overthrow those horrible Romans and we're going to get you in charge. And it's again, it's this, this, we wrestle with this. Their hope is political, right? We're going to, as I said, we're going to do a little mini-series on the king, politics and the kingdom of God, which we have to do every election cycle now around the kingdom of God being our ultimate hope, not putting our, nothing wrong with trying to work out how many, you know, how many doctors and nurses we have and how fast we have to drive along the road. Well, fine, there's pragmatic stuff, let's vote wisely. But the hope of the Christian is in the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus is just like, he's, he can feel this vibe of a political thing starting to kick in. And he's like, no, 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 no. So he sneaks off. And he's like, no, I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to build a mega church. I'm not here to take political power. I'm here to build a kingdom movement of people steeped in the heart of God. And so, uh, so he sneaks off. 
And then they're all like, where'd Jesus go? And he walked across the wall, does all sorts of stuff, you know, sneaks away. And then like, then the Chinese whispers, Jesus over the other side of the lake. Like, let's go hang out with Jesus. We're going to like, and then like, dude, what's, you know, this is again where the, the dialogue that we read as we started the service, uh, the sermon, sorry, is, uh, is this moment. They come to Jesus, they want more from him. And, and, and Jesus is trying to like take them like, mate, you, you, the main need you have is not loaves and fishes. The main need you have is that your soul is satisfied in God. And this is the reality. Like all of us have immediate needs, like, you know, bills to pay, conflict to be resolved, I don't know, an exam to pass, car to get repaired. My dashboard's lit up like a Christmas tree at the moment. Actually, I need to get that sorted. You know, and so you've got these immediate... <laughs> we went to Lloyd's. We had an amazing tour, like over 80 men at our uh, men's event on Friday night at Lloyd's Automania thing with all the hot rods and stuff. Oh, man, it's just also just... I was handing over all the man cards I've got left in my life of like, I'm just the least mechanical person in the world and I appreciate the beauty, but that's about it. Uh, so, you know, uh, maybe some of the other guys felt like that as well. Kia we're together. This is awesome. Anyway, so we have these immediate needs. I've got some, you've got some. But then we've got these deeper needs. These deeper needs for purpose. Deeper needs for like, just like knowing what is truth. Deeper needs of finding true freedom deeper needs of just feeling loved. And Jesus is saying, like, there is a, these are the, the hunger that every human heart has for these things. He's the one that can meet those deep, deep needs. And the reality is that we can try and satisfy that deeper hunger in lots of other ways. Um, but the problem is you just get hungry again. It never really satisfies. Like, I don't know if, I've, have you, I don't know if anyone's met a really wealthy person that's like, I don't have money. Like, no, I like just never, has anyone here got enough money just out of curiosity? Yeah. One or two, okay. One or two followers of Jesus have worked it out, okay? Well done. You're formed in the image of Jesus, love it. Wouldn't mind borrowing some just as well, just quietly, so if we can, we can have a chat later. Um, but just like, you know, it's like, oh, I get that pay rise, I thought I'd be super stoked with that, but real quick, there's just, you know what I mean? Or achievements. I've never met anyone who's like made their whole life about achievements that's deeply secure in who they are. I just still reek of insecurity. There's always somebody else that's a little bit more popular, has a little bit more influence, has a little bit more celebrity or whatever it is. Uh, it just, and so there's these kind of, we just, we pour ourselves into these things, but they don't satisfy. And this is such important biblical wisdom to get into your hearts. There's nothing wrong with all the things, but they cannot, they will never meet the place of God to satisfy the deep longings of your heart. They just will never meet the, and so, the clearest example of this in the Bible is Solomon, right? So like the big three that everyone kind of would love to have heaps of, if you're not a Christian, is the gold, the gills, and the glory, right? We ever heard about that? Or the gold, the guys, and the glory, depending on whatever. So my case, right? So I'm going to just speak from me. In this world we live in now, I have to be clear, I identify as a guy, so I'm going to choose to, you know, whatever. So, sorry, man, hot water everywhere. Um, so Solomon is just like gold, the gills, the glory. He has all three in space. Like he has all three coming out his ears. Gold, it's like he's the wealthiest person in the world at the time. Like in terms of wealth, like, like every one of our billionaires would be like, man, this guy's a whole nother level. In terms of like just unbelievable wealth. He didn't lack for anything. Girls, he had more porcupines and concubines and all the rest of it than like anyone. I'm like, this guy had ladies. It was just the whole way the royal gig worked then. He just like, he just had his choice of woman. And then it's like, and then glory. It's like people are traveling like, 
you know, everywhere to hang out with this guy. He's the king. Like, the, the modern monarch in the England, it's just nothing. It's just, it's, got, it's just this pale nothing compared to a true king in this time in history. And this guy's the top dog. Like, glory is his. And like, so, but what, I mean, someone wrote a couple of books, but one of the books he wrote is Ecclesiastes. It's like, again, if you're struggling with depression, do not read that book. It's so depressing. And literally the, ba- the, the drum he just bangs all the way through Ecclesiastes is like, the gold, the girls, the glory, it's all meaningless. It's all just meaningless. And there's this deep emptiness and depression in Solomon after just swimming in that, in that world for so long. And then at the end of Ecclesiastes, a teacher has to step in to bring truth to the reality of, of what actually matters. And, and it's this passage here. Now, after all's been heard, you've heard all Solomon's depression about, you know, the fact none of these things satisfy. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. So what does that mean? That word mean? I've jumped into the, the, the Greek this week. Literally, like, revere, honor, respect, worship, adore. So don't hear that and be afraid, even though he is a holy God. But it's just like, just be in awe of who he is. And keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. Like, and all of that, like, all of that comes down to this. It's like, he is, he's God. And he, and so then Jesus, who is God, steps into the world, and he's like, I satisfy. I satisfy. Augustine, who was another like, like, um, like full noise naughty boy back in the day, before like Augustine's like Saint Augustine. He's a like brilliant theologian once he came to faith, but he was up to all sorts of mischief back in the day, way back in the day. Like he was promiscuous man, hard out. And then he didn't even, he didn't want to become a Christian because he was worried that God would stop him having all his fun. And eventually, like he comes to faith and gives his whole life to Jesus. And he says this, You have made us, O Lord, for yourself, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Every human heart is restless until it finds its rest in Jesus. And then when you do, it's just like, this is so good. And so uh, they come in verse 28 and they ask him, What must we do to, be, to, to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answers, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. John, throughout his whole gospel, is just trying to get it into our hearts and minds. Jesus is God. He is God. And the whole point of John's gospel is, to, is that we would believe that Jesus is God. And that if God, he's God, then that we would go all in with what it means to follow him, to love him, to, to, to be his disciples. And so I've got to be up front this morning, guys. Um, like, If you want to be deeply satisfied in God, you've got to go all in. This is, I think, like many Christians are like are, are, are not convinced that, that Jesus truly satisfies because they're still looking to all sorts of other bread. And they're not like what John's trying to do here is say to us, hey, mate, actually, like learn this early. He's the only one that satisfies. Whether you like it's the it's biblical wisdom, it's truth. And so it, it's not free in a sense. Like it costs you everything to follow Jesus. His word's not mine. You know what I mean? Like, so his grace and his mercy is free. We receive it as a gift. But to step into the life of Jesus, it costs us everything. Uh, Nicky Gumbel um, explains it like this. If you don't fill that God-shaped gap with God, you'll fill it with an idol. So it's like anything outside of deep satisfaction in God is idolatry. Hard words, but Kind of reality. Nice, thanks, Nikki. Appreciate that. Um, 
you'll put something else instead of God, and even good things can become idols. Politics or music or relationships, we fill it with harmful things like drugs sometimes. And the thing with idols is this. This is huge. Listen to this, guys. At first, they offer you everything and they ask of you nothing, but in the end, they cost you everything and give you nothing. You can give your whole life to your career, and and then at a certain point, you'll be expendable, and that'll be it. And you're like, I gave up nights with kids for this. I gave, I, I moved cities even though I didn't want to for this job. I did all this stuff because I gave myself to this thing. And then at the end, you're still dis, you're dispensable, right? On anything, sports, all of it. It's like it promises porn from personal experience. All these things promise you. Oh, it doesn't cost you anything. It gives you the buzz. Cost you in the end, it just costs everything. Cost marriages and ministries and all sorts of stuff. But I love this. Jesus is the opposite. His gifts are free and he gives us everything. Because although we have to pay the price, there is a price of being known as a follower of Jesus, and we may get opposition, the cost that we pay is nothing compared to the cost he paid when he died on the cross and took our sin and offered us forgiveness. He, he, like Up front, we give him everything and then we get all that he is. Dallas Willard said it like this, anyone who says that it's easy to follow Jesus is a liar. <laughs> He himself said that the way is narrow, but nothing we forego in the cause of Christ, wealth, popularity, kudos, not even our very lives can come close to the return. The price we pay to follow Jesus, whatever it might be, will acquire for us the most astounding bargain of our lives. That's good. That's literally like, it's literally like, oh, so you know, like Jeff Bezos or whatever, you know how like we all went bananas buying stuff online um, for a little patch there because we're all stuck at home? And like his wealth like quadrupled or something during the lockdown because everyone was just buying stuff online. Like the equivalent is like, okay, you've got to give everything, but, you, but you'll get Jeff Be- Bezos' bank account if you give everything of your bank account. Pretty good deal. Like, ooh, like I don't know if you guys are doing the maths, but I'm like, that... So I've got to give all my money to Jeff Bezos, but then I get all his money. I'm in. (laughs) It's exactly the same with Jesus. It's like we got, it's all in. When you go all in, you got all his stuff. But it's you got to go all in. This is why, again, the fasting thing, oh, we'll get there in a minute. But it's like, this is why the Bible's like it's like a it's like a treasure in a field or a pearl of great price. Like Jesus tells these stories of like, give everything to get it, because it's worth it. It's kingdom, it's life. That's where the life is found. And that's where in verse 33, for the bread of life is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What's the Greek word for life in there? Zoe. We talked about this uh, on the first sermon. You've got biological life, bios, you've got Zoe life, which is heavenly life, divine life. Uh, and so Jesus is saying here, this bread of life gives you the life that you're looking for, the Zoe life. It, it causes your soul to come to life. So it's so, it's so worth it. So worth it. And so what does it look like um, to eat the bread of life? Like, What does it look like pragmatically to like engage? Like, if you're like, I'm in, cool, sounds good. Um, cool, you know, like, let's do it. What does it mean in real terms? A couple of things. Firstly, yeah, um, to, uh, to eat the bread of life means that we get into this book. 
as Ryan said earlier, Matthew 4, Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. As you get into this book, it feeds your soul. It's like the word. Now, the word of God is living, so it's not just the words in this book. God wants to speak his word into your life. He's the living God. whose word, it'll never contradict anything in here, but I love chatting with Jesus. I love it. Like his word just brings healing and life. And so uh, devotional practices that include getting into this are a great way of eating the bread of life that fully satisfies and leads you to Zoe life. This is, and it's funny how much of a battle it is, eh? Isn't it weird how much of a battle it is? Like watching Netflix is super easy, sitting down with the source of life himself to see me live life abundance and mission. It's weird, eh? Is it just me who battles with it? And, like, and again, I'm just convinced the enemy's gone so hard after that place. It's like, what should we do? Let's, let's get an iPhone in the mix. That'll be, let's get an iPhone in the, you know, devil's old friggin' hairy bum himself is like, you know, let's, let's get an iPhone in the, that'll be, that'll help, that'll help, you know? I just, I wish C.S. Lewis was alive to write, rewrite the screw tape letters. Because I just feel like, for those of you who don't know, there's, there's a book he wrote back in the day between a, a devil and his junior devil apprentice on all the ways to mess up Christians. Brilliant book, very, very clever. And I reckon now that in the screw tape letters would be like, hey, let's get a fight in the mix, you know? It's like we just live such distracted lives. But, and then we wonder why our soul isn't flourishing. And it's like he's just, Jesus there. He's like, man, you've got it. It's there for you. So let's spend like 10 minutes, literally if you're still struggling with your devos, it's, our whole thing is it's consistency, not intensity. So it's like just 10 minutes in the morning, you wake up 10 minutes earlier, you sit with him and you read just a little bit of the Gospels and just, and just pay attention to what may leap off the page. And even if nothing good, it's just a good, healthy, holy habit. And then you sit in silence for like two or three minutes and just be still with God, being conscious that he's near you. Like that's all we're talking about. That's the simplest guide to how to have a Devo you could ever have. And I promise you at the end of that 10 minutes, there'll be something about the peace of God that's in your heart. And there'll be a little glimmer that you loved. And you'll go into the day just feeling a little bit more grounded in who you are. And then it's addicting. It's super addictive. You know, we've been running these accountability groups for four years now, and we've got little, um, little. We're, we're having babies, so we've got one in, in Palmerston North now, and there's one that's just started in Blenheim of these folks that are just hearing what God is doing through these accountability groups, and so they're starting to pop up. So I was having a chat with one of the pastors in Blenheim, and I was just, and I was just, it was, it was really buzzy because I was like, oh, when we first started, like none of the boys wanted to do anything. You know, <laughs> it was like, I remember, you know, pull over, pull over for two minutes and try and. You know, I was sort of like, oh, my life's too busy, but we'll give it a crack, you know. And those same guys now, you know, are just in deep and just sitting because it's so, he's, it's, he's so satisfying. And there are seasons for sure where you've got to stack firewood, it's left foot, right foot, it just feels like you're stacking firewood. But you stay consistent doing that when the fire comes, baby. You've got some things that can burn, you know. So we get into this book. Let's get into this book. Let's not neglect this book. Let's get into the Word of God. And again, don't worry about the Old Testament. If you're not reading the Bible regularly, get into the New Testament. Just get into the words of Jesus. He's the Word. The second thing that we can do if we're committed to, to um, eating the bread of life is to fast. Yay! Oh, no. And as 
fate would have it, conveniently, we're calling our church to engage in some way, shape and form in prayer and fasting this week as we head into Pentecost. Why? Because Jesus said in Luke 11, ask, seek and knock for the Holy Spirit. And at the end of it, he said, how much more does my Heavenly Father love giving the Spirit to those that want Him? And so I'm like, X marks the spot. This week I'm asking, seeking and knocking. I want, I want more of you, Spirit of God. Fill me. And can I encourage you to come next week with anticipation, not as passive consumers, but as people ready to to seek and to ask and then to have hearts wide open to receive an infilling of the Spirit of God. And to come next Sunday night and do the same. We're going to be people that go after Him. You know, 10 days they waited between the Ascension and Pentecost. That's a long time, asking, seeking and knocking. And then the fire of heaven fell. And for many Christians, they're like, I haven't experienced much of the Holy Spirit. Or I'm like, Let, just, let's have a chat about what the asking, seeking, and knockings look like. Let, just tell me what that's looked like. And it's normally pretty quiet. You know? And I'm like, God comes where he's wanted. God loves it when we want him. You know, and Joel, this, this thing, I, like, I genuinely think what the Lord's doing in um, our church and around the place at the moment is we partner with me. Many churches around the country praying and fasting this week. There's a, there's a spiritual temperature that's rising. But part of it, like as pastors, we've been like, we need to repent for the low spiritual temperature we've had as a default. And so now I think there's this thing like the Lord's saying, like, like return to me with all your heart. And what does that look like? With fasting and weeping and mourning and like, Lord, I'm sorry for not like for looking to all these other other rubbish. Rend your heart, so give them all that you are, not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. I mean, he's beautiful. So this week, I'm looking forward to it. I never ever thought I'd say that publicly. I'm looking forward because I'm I'm like, I want to feast on Jesus this week. I want to feast on him. I want it like I want to feel it at dinner time and be like, I want you more than that cheese sandwich that again we're having or the two-minute noodles or whatever the default is. Like, I want more than and it smells more and more amazing as every day goes on, but I want you more, Jesus. Because you're the bread that satisfies. So sometimes fasting is weaning off other bread that we've looked to to, to just satisfy us. For me, cheese and crackers are a big part of my, my soul's a bit, you know, I had a hard day. Cheese and crackers are there to come for me, you know? And uh, I had a few of them last night, actually, because I knew we were going into a week with no cheese and crackers. And I'm like, but I'm like, I want you more. And I want to learn to be deeply satisfied in you, Jesus. Teach me what it looks like to be satisfied because you are the bread of life. You are the one. You are the bread, Jesus. And so fasting this week is, is this almost this, this thing of like, it's not in a sense, I feel personally, I'm like, man, I'm not doing this for hardship. I'm doing this to feast, to delight myself in God in a whole other way by saying no to my flesh. And I love fasting. It's a very visceral way of expressing a hunger for God. And I like it because my flesh loves cheese and crackers and Burger King. And it's like, and it's saying to my flesh, you sit down there, boy. You flesh, you are not in charge. You are not, my will is in charge, and my will says Jesus before you. So you sit down there, boy. You know. So I love fasting because it's like it puts my flesh in its place, and it strengthens my will to keep choosing Jesus. And particularly, can I just say this? I'm on a tangent now. If you struggle with any addiction, fasting helps you break it. One of the most powerful spiritual disciplines. You struggle with porn, drugs, drinking too much, whatever it may be, cheese buns. It's like, you know, just cream buns probably. Um, you know, it's like whatever it may be, fasting is a great way of breaking the stronghold where your flesh just keeps giving in. 
So like, go hard. Let's go hard for Jesus, right? Let's go hard for Jesus. You know, it's like we've got so dulled in our culture, but, no, but in these environments, we worship him, open the word, and say we're going hard for you, Jesus. So fasting uh, is, uh, is a way of us is eating the bread of us. Our soul is nourished in him. So if you have, like, I'm denied about what you're going to do this week in terms of fasting, I just want to invite you now in this environment of a thin place where heaven is near, that you would just ask the Lord, what does it look like for me to engage this week, to lean in? And, and for most folks, I just, for most people that call this church home, you can do one day a week. You can do one day this week, and it's about seeking God. It's about, I want more of you, Spirit of God. So you come next week expectant. Now, Pentecost is not, is a, it's not a magical day. It's just a, a day we commemorate what the Spirit did. But together, the whole church around the world will honor the Spirit of God and say, come Holy Spirit. So I'm very beautiful about that. But it's the ongoing desire for more of Him. So just work out what that looks like. And as Ryan said, if you're going to do the full week, can you talk to me? Because we get a little support messenger group going on where we talk about the journey together. And there's already a good handful of folks doing that. Love it. So encouraging. New normal, friends. Love it. And then lastly, so, so getting into the Word of God and prayer, um, fasting. And the third thing is actually we come to the table. We come to communion. Uh, and this, uh, we've got to finish here because it's grace. We receive his mercy. We receive. So I've said all the stuff about, you know, let's go hard. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're in a spiritually tough place, if you're going through pain, ignore all that and just receive his mercy and just receive his grace and just receive his love and come to the table. You don't have to, all that fasting and, and, and rah-rah stuff, we don't do that to earn God's love. Can I just be really clear about that? I just do that to position myself to receive his love. I'm not working for the heart of God. I'm working from the heart of God, trying to just live a life of love here. It's a very different posture, but I just love him so much I want him, so I do all these spiritual disciplines. But honestly, if you're a bit beaten up with life or whatever, just come to the table and receive his love. And just feast on him. And, and Jesus said, like he took the bread, he gave thanks, broke it, gave him, he said, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Like his body was broken for us. So much symbolism and beauty in there, but it's like he was broken so that we would be made whole. And so this morning, if you're like, um, some of you are inspired in the spirit of God stirring you up to press in for more, and go for it, go for it. Some of you guys are just, man, it's been tough. Just come to the table and receive his love. You don't have to do anything but receive it. So, so beautiful. I come into land with this. This um, week, two people died. That mattered to me. Um, the first was um, John Marquet, um, and the second was Timothy Keller. Now, um, a lot of people may know the name Timothy Keller. Certainly, if you've been in any ministry circles, um, that name will be familiar. Um, does anyone out of interest know John Marquet or heard of John Marquet? Okay. Uh, you, you have? Okay. And you're none. I love that most people don't know John Marquet's name because he's as big a deal as Tim Keller as far as I'm concerned and I think as far as God's concerned. Because he was just, John Marquet um, passed away very suddenly on Monday morning. Um, he, is, um, he was an Anglican vicar for many years, which is how I got to know him. Um, and then um, the last seven or eight years been involved with Hope Vineyard Church in Palmerston North. And just the most, love, I mean, look at him. Don't you want to give him a hug? Like, honestly, John Marquet's hugs were the best. And he was just a godly man who finished well, though surprising ending. You know, heart attack on his heart failed on Monday morning. But just a genuinely pastoral, lovely guy who just didn't muck up. You know, he finished well. 
Do you know how like nice that is in this time? I think same with Tim Keller, giant intellectually, but just like he just was loved across all sorts of different movements, and he was loved not only for his amazing mind, but he was just a kind guy, and he had a deep life with Jesus, and so all these beautiful stories are coming out about his kindness and his. And I just um, I've been very moved because he's I've, I've been deeply influenced by Tim Keller's writing and his teaching. And yesterday, in honor of Tim Keller's um, passing, I listened to his I Am the Bread of Life sermon. Uh, it was too late to ditch my talk. <laughs> it was really good. But I did the lawns and listened to had Tim's voice in my ears again. And um, But, you know, it just reminded me, I was like, we're all going to die. Part of my job, I think, regularly is to remind us of our own mortality. Life is very, very short. Um, and these sort of moments remind me that you can live very well and then you can die very well. And Ronald Rollheiser in his book Sacred Fire says that there's three stages to our lives. Getting our lives together, then most of our life is giving our life away, learning to do that. How can we just live a life? And then the last thing we do is give our death away. We die in such a way that it's a blessing for others. We don't fight, we don't rage, we just accept the reality. And, and, that, and we, we do that by being passive, by letting people look after us. And so these guys got their lives together and then they poured their lives out. Their whole life was poured out. What an inspiration. And then they, all, they gave their deaths away. Tim Keller had a bit more warning than John, so he had a few more things to say. Um, but John, and just, just, he just, there's, the whole thing's just a blessing. He's such a blessing. And it just reminds me, I'm like, man, I just, uh, I, I don't want to waste my life. And I don't want to waste my life by eating from the sources that don't give me true life and pursuing the things that don't give me true life. And like, Again, one of the devil's little ploys is, to, is for us to forget how short life is and how precious it is and how what we do today really matters. There's no point waiting till in the future to go hard for God because that, again, you just never do. It's always in the future. some point, like, again, Zach Rocha from Rage Against the Machine said it like this, to quote an awesome prophet as well. He's like, thank you, Grant. Um, he says, it has to start somewhere and it has to start sometime what better place than here? What better time than now? And then he goes, oh, hell can't stop us now. <laughs> Such a good song. And so I'm like, so this morning I just want to invite you to just go flag the other bread. I'm going to go after the bread of life. I'm going after Jesus. And that, that wouldn't just be like theory. It would be an, an embodied response. So what does that look like for you? I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want to be consumed with Jesus. And so I want to, like these spiritual disciplines, all of this is because I love him and I want to be so radical for him as I get older and older. I just want to get, just be more full on for him. And, and this fasting thing, I never ever in a million years thought that that would be a regular part of my, of my life. <laughs> never. No way. And it now is a regular part of my spiritual disciplines because I want him more than everything else. I just feel myself getting more and more consumed with him. And as I get more and more consumed with him, I feel myself more and more satisfied by him. It's deeply satisfied, filled with wonder at his goodness and grace. I love him. So Jesus in, in John chapter 6, verse 48 to 51 says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So this morning as we come in to uh, finish, I'd like us to uh, take communion together uh, as a way of just again embodying this deep reality for us that as we take uh, the juice, it symbolizes blood that was poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. And so if there's anything that you need to give to Jesus this morning, give it to him. And, and, and take part in that great transaction where he just takes it from you, removes it as far as the east is from the, the west, cleanses you uh, and, and, and sets you free. And just feel his grace and mercy just flood your heart and your soul and your whole being. But then he's the bread of life, again, symbolizing a body that was broken for us so that we could walk into wholeness. Isn't he amazing? That his body would be broken so that we could walk into wholeness. 